I'm Laura Green. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast, the show that brings you the best in sapphic fiction. Join me as I chat with authors, narrators, and friends who share my love for the genre. You will learn things you didn't know about your favorites and get some suggestions for your next read. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe. Welcome to the Sapphic Book Review Podcast. Today's guest is one of my favorite people on the planet, K.L. Gallagher. Welcome and thanks for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. And you are one of my favorite people as well. Uh Paid each other really well to say that. We did. We pay each other in alcohol. (laughs) Your first book was a co-write with Allie Spooner, Hattrick. Tell us a bit about it and how you came to write with Allie. Well, Hattrick, I view as a story of perseverance and second chances. Uh, My two main characters, they both had some very severe trauma early in their lives. One of them persevered to become an attorney. Unfortunately, she uh, and her ex were involved in something that most of us don't want to be involved in. She was a victim of abuse and she fled to New York to restart her life. And my other character, Janelle, she was a hockey prodigy and uh, she was on the fast track to the Canadian national team until one day during a game, one of her rivals hit her so hard, she ended up in the hospital and they found out that she couldn't play ever again. And so she persevered by becoming an NHL head coach. And the two of them were, you know, they're in this very uh, male dominated industry. So their focus is work. As most of our lovely sapphic books are, we know that's not going to end up being the focus. So it's about the, both of them coming together, overcoming a lot of obstacles and realizing that you can love and still have it all. Very nice. And how did you and Allie hook up? This is kind of an interesting story because I had no desire to write. I, I'm an attorney. I write for a living. I barely read at the time. I just didn't have time for any of that stuff. And you'll never hear me say these words together again, but thank goodness for the 2016 election and <laughs> Cheeto Lini becoming the president. Uh, I was so depressed. I had to make a change. And so I just Googled lesbian fiction because I no longer read anymore because no one looked like me in my books that I'm trying to read. And holy smokes, I came across these books. I fell in love, started getting involved in the sapphic industry. Our community is amazing. And one of our writers became ill and there was an auction on on Facebook. And so I'm like spraying all the money out there trying to figure out how to help best. And one of them was to bid on a character for Ali Spooner's books. And I've done that before. Normally the author just says, hey, cool. What's the name? Thanks. <laughs> Allie did something different. Allie asked me for the name of a character and the background because she really wanted to make sure that whatever she was writing went with the character that I was envisioning. It was beautiful. And all of a sudden, this torrent of characters in my brain from all the times that I wanted to be a writer and just put it down, they just came to the fore. And so I sent her Alex, the attorney, and she came back and said, wow, that's amazing. Why don't you write it? And I said, because I don't know how to write. And she goes, aren't you a lawyer? (laughs) It's like, shit. And if anyone knows uh, Allie, she doesn't take no for an answer, but she does it in the best way possible. She was there for me every step of the way. She wrote a chapter, says, what do you think? If you like it, let's do it together. I loved it. She said, let's do it together. And every step of the way, she was with me and Patrick was born. So I owe Allie so much. 
so much more than I can ever give her. Well, I think we all owe Allie something. Otherwise, who would I have to <laughs> party with when I'm at GCLS? I get a little bit in my feels sometimes when it comes to, to Allie. And it's just like I get goosebumps just thinking about it. I feel this stuff doesn't happen to me. So the fact that it did and the community that I'm with now, I mean, it really does give me chills. What do you have planned for your first solo release? So that's been in the works for a while. <laughs> promise. I know I've said this before, but yes, it's coming, guys. I really mean it this time. It's actually the sequel to Hattrick. It's ah. called Snapshot. And in this book, Janelle's best friend is one of the main characters. And the other main character was only in Hattrick for a very, very, very short period of time. But she's the person that knocked Janelle out and knocked her career off of her life. So I decided to bring her back because the, the character in the book, I named her after two of my really good friends and they read the book and they were kind of upset that this <laughs> character was kind of a dick. And so I promised I'd fix it. And so I'm fixing it. It's an enemies to lovers book and Nano did me wonders. I am so close to finishing the zero draft and then I can get into all the rewrites. So expect it next year. What do you find most challenging about writing? Time and consistency. What was really, really cool about writing with Allie is that we were able to push each other. She's got a life and I have a life and I'm not going to hold her up because I'm late on the chapter I need to get her. It's hard for me to keep my own commitment to myself when it comes to writing. When I have a lot of other things going on, you know, full-time attorney, have my house to run, my animals who are my babies trying to be a human and um, still try to find time to write. I also get in my head a lot. And when you're writing, it's a very lonely place. And so if you have your internal processes going off and telling you how shitty you are, you're going to write that way because you can't turn it. Well, for me, I can't turn it off unless I step away. And I don't like to write unless I'm in a good headspace, unless it's a you know part of the book is where I'm making someone go through it. But my books don't do that very often. So I've been really focusing on getting myself consistent. And I'm happy to report that every day since the beginning of November, except for last night, because I needed a break, I've either been writing or researching the last few chapters, what I need for the last few chapters. Okay. Well, if you need me to text you some encouragement or just, you know, some ass kicking, I'm here for you. I would love that. Yeah. You just, just text me whenever. You know me. Just like, you, hey, Kale, how's it going? Or, hey, Kale, get your ass to the computer. Okay. Whatever. All right. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from writing, like you mentioned, you're also an attorney. How did you decide on law as a career? When I was a kid, I think I was about four, there was this movie called The Verdict with Paul Newman. Oh, I love Paul uh, Newman. My dad was watching it. And I was just, you know, tootling around as like a five-year-old. And I was really interested in it. And I just sat down and started watching this drunk guy become a lawyer and all the men everywhere. The men in the jury box, the men who were the lawyers, the men who were even the, the the parties, and of course, the judge. And I remember asking my dad, I said, hey, dad, that's really cool. Why aren't there any women? And not women. I said, why aren't there any moms? Because, you know, I'm young. And my dad looks at me and he says, because you haven't gotten there yet. Aww. And that really started my fire. Um, suddenly, I became very argumentative. <laughs> not just because I'm an Aries. And I, I have this really, really deep-seated need to write injustices and to stand up for those who don't have a voice. It's always been that way, whether it's in books, whether it's just my personal life or, of course, in my career. And that's the one thing, no matter how jaded I become, 
like most of us do when we're doing one thing for 20 years over and over again, is that I still have that desire and that burn. I still get the chills when I help somebody. As long as I still have that, I'll stay with it. Uh, but I don't define myself as an attorney. It's just my job. Very nice. If I would have said that to my dad when I was five, he would have been like, because the damn it, that's the way it's supposed to be. Men should be working <laughs> as lawyers. Women should be in there having the babies. Oh, man, my dad is definitely not. Well, he might be that more that guy now. Sorry, dad. Um, but, uh, you know, he was always very supportive of me being a tomboy and watching all the scary movies in the world that I want. And he just kind of let me be. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like the Gen X millennial and Xennial. So there's that thing going around TikTok right now where people are saying, why don't we hold Gen X accountable? It's like, you really want to approach us? Are you serious? We were really the ones that were outside, not allowed in the house ever. So it's like, you know, you figure out what you want. <laughs> I was always in the house because I, I was allergic to outside grass, <laughs> trees, you name it, anything. Lynn Ames is one of the most interesting, genuinely kind authors I've spoken with and one of my very many best friends. What does Lynn mean to you? Oh, my God. Lynn Ames is there are people in my life that are incredibly important. And Lynn Ames is in the top five for me. She was my mentor at when I was at the GCLS Writing Academy. And Finn put me with Lynn, I think, because she knew I needed someone that was strong and that could give me really targeted feedback. And Lynn could have just phoned it in, was my mentor, great, here's some stuff, see you later. We spent so much time on Zooms before and after. She would give me her feedback. She's never dropped me like a hot potato. <laughs> Every single thing she told me in that feedback, while hard, was brilliant and spot on. She is as tough as they come, but as kind as they come. And once you are in her pack, you are part of that pack. And I now feel part of that pack. Every time I see her, it's like genuine joy to see me. It's not just me having genuine joy for her. And let's just all remember her wife is amazing. <laughs> I mean, you can't talk about Lynn without Cheryl. They really are two incredible people. The way that Lynn lives her life unapologetically is a way that I've always wanted to be. And it's wonderful to see someone so successful be able to stay true to the courage of her convictions. She is a phenomenal human being, and I'm, I'm just blessed to know her. She's pretty awesome. She did tell me I was her best friend, so I don't know. You may want to tell oh, You know what? Rochambeau or rock, paper, scissors, with <laughs> Spock, we got to figure this out. <laughs> I do collect best friends, so that's what I do. You do. I adore your wife, Lisa, almost as you much do. as I adore you. How did you meet? And tell us about how you proposed. I must be kind of feeling nostalgic lately because I've been doing some TBTs about our relationship. I just did one, as a matter of fact. Um, when I came out, I really came out. It was a really difficult journey for me. And this was in uh, February of 07. I decided some of my friends rented the ice and we were going to go have a guys versus girls hockey uh, pickup. And normally it's just me like throwing my hair in a hat and just running over there and never a stitch of makeup on. Oh my God, if you go on my Facebook right now, <laughs> there's a picture when I was leaving to go. I have very curly hair. I straightened it. I put all this makeup on. My girls <laughs> were like almost popping out and it's the middle of freaking winter. And I'm like, yes, let's work. Let's wear them to sleepless. Yes. Oh my God. It was so thirsty. I'm going to Facebook so right now. I went and um, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'll, I'll meet somebody and it got time for game time. So all that shit goes away. I got to get my hockey, my hockey head, my hockey gear. And Lisa was late. 
So I had no idea who she was when she showed up. And I certainly wasn't on the prowl for anybody when I'm stinking like I just came out of a garbage can because some of that gear is awful. But she ended up in my line somehow. And we had instant chemistry. Like It was like, like, boom, she was passing the puck. I'm scoring goals. It was it was amazing how quickly we bonded. And so I wanted to chat with her afterwards. And she was gone. Just gone. All right. Cool. Guess I'll never see you again. Whatever. And so fast forward about five or six months later, it was a new hockey league. A new season was starting up and I was really good back then. So I had teams vying for me to come and join their team. And one of my friends said, I'll give you my captain's discount. And as a starving law student, I'm like, shit, give it to me. I'll play with you. I never even looked at the roster and I'm getting ready for my first game. And in walks Lisa. Like she's like owns the place. She just, by the way, says she never walked that way. I mean, come on, shut up. I can smell you coming a mile away. I know who you are. I'm going to watch you every time you walk. And it was pretty instant that we had an attraction to each other. And it just kind of went from there. And we ended up together 15 years later. Ah, and you better never cross her because I've heard some of the stories. Girl. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that is not someone to trifle with. So in terms of proposing to her, I have it on my website. We had a hockey tournament regionals in Alaska. Uh, We were um, on the San Jose Sharks women's team. And all my teammates knew I was going to do this. I wanted to do it under the Aurora Borealis, but there was cloud cover everywhere. And so I'm like, okay, I'll do it on the ice. And one of my coaches had his camera. So I get everybody around and I almost chickened out. I almost chickened out because I had such a crappy practice. I'm like, this is such a bad headspace. But I'm like, no, I got to do this. So I've got everybody around and it says, stand up. She's the only one sitting on her knee. I'm like, damn it. She's the only one that's going to do this. And she's doing the opposite. And so I start going into my Christy captain spiel. And I proposed to her on the ice. And uh, it was around all of our friends. And I look back at that all the time. It's got about 99,000 views. I wish I would have known how to monetize stuff back then. But it's <laughs> pretty cool that I'm, I'm able to look back at it. I know. I've watched it at least three times, so. <laughs> you see how much of a sap I can be. <laughs> <laughs> you always have a smile on your face and seem to always be in a good mood. But I know there are things that chap your ass. What really gets under your skin? This is so funny. It's like I don't see myself like that, but I guess I do put out that smile all the time. But girl, there are some things that the chap on my ass is getting chapped. <laughs> so <laughs> angry I get. So like Setting aside the big ticket items like politics, stuff like that. It's so divisive right now. I'm like, we are where we are. So let's get down to little things. <laughs> I'm an Aries. I am going to be where I need to be and say what I need to say and do what I need to do. And if you're in my way, I'm so sorry, but you're going to become roadkill. And metaphorically speaking, I mean, because I am about to say that I can't stand people who can't drive. Oh my goodness. You have the people that leave their blinker on when they're never turning lanes or people that like to stop their vehicle for a red light four vehicles back and leave in a giant space like some helicopter's going to come in and just drop a car down there. Or people that drive in the fast lane that cannot seem to find the gas pedal. I mean, those things are so irritating. When people say two words that drive me nuts, I want to like jump out a window. The first is when someone says irregardless. Oh, and the second is when they say resiliency. 
So if you just look at how to do basic word construction, ear, I even wrote this down because I'm like, how stupid this is. So ear means the opposite of. Regard means consideration of someone. Less means not having said consideration. So if you're trying to say to someone, I don't consider you at all, regardless, then why are you throwing an ear on there? You've just changed the whole word. You've changed the whole meaning of the word. Uh, The second, when I hear people say resiliency, I, I know it's in the dictionary, but the common use of the word in the United States is resilience. And when I hear that word by people that should know better, I just like, damn it. Like, why did I spend so much to go to law school when people can't even use a basic word? Just let me do your job. I'd be in so much less debt. So yeah, it's just those little things. (laughs) Yeah, you do have a lot. You do have a lot of things that bother you. See, don't you feel better? You got those out? I mean, I think I need to go meditate right now. Can we just please hold for five? (laughs) Certainly. Absolutely. What was little KL like as a child and who were your biggest childhood crushes? Little KL was shy, but mouthy. So I'm kind of a jack of all trades, even way back then. I read a lot, very, very studious, but I loved Tiger Beat. Ooh, girl, give me some Tiger Beat. And if you don't know what that is, I'm sorry, but I was also born before, you know, we actually had cell phones. So sorry. But like I had pictures of Christian Slater on my wall, Kirk Cameron. Ironically, that guy is such a douche now. Yep. Um, Corey Haim and Corey Feldman, Luke Perry and Jason Priestley. But when I look back at that time, I also now know I had some mad crushes on like Christina Applegate, Alyssa Milano, the chick who played Winnie Cooper. Oh, God, she was hot. <laughs> Brooke Shields and Fanola Hughes from my favorite. Oh, uh, General Hospital. Oh, girl, she's still there. And she is gorgeous. So um, I I guess I was a little bi back then, but didn't know it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I had the Kirk Cameron and Scott Bayo. Oh, (laughs) I know. I know. Douchebags all around in my little room as a child. Well, there's another one there. Um, not, not Lorenzo Lamas. Uh, who's another one of those guys who says that he's never on television anymore because of the deep state? I'm Antonio really Sabato Jr. That's him. Thank you. From General Hospital. <laughs> General Hospital. <laughs> uh, yes. It's like, no, you're just a bad actor. Go. Oh, he was so bad. Was so bad. <laughs> Jack Wagner. Uh, I love Jack Wagner. Oh, yeah. I, Frisco. I miss you, Frisco. Frisco. He was born like not far from where I live now. And when I was a kid, I thought, I wonder if I could go up there to his parents' house when he's there. <laughs> he was the one in the, there's a the poster back then that says, all I need is, and it's just like this ridiculously giant long list of what women allegedly wanted back then. And he's the model in that. And he was, he, he's a definition of, boy, you look so good. Just don't talk. Yeah. Bless his heart. (laughs) (laughs) If you were on death row, Uh which I hope never happens, but you got to pair for this. What is going to be your last meal? Okay. So if I was on death row, I must be a really, really horrible human being. Yes. And so I would want to go out that way. So most people are like, oh, I think I want my favorite dinner. I want this. No, I want anything that makes me have the worst gas possible. And so they have the worst Clean up on aisle five when I'm done. Oh, and just give me the broccoli, the prune juice, the beans. Oh, just just like throw them down my mouth. I want them to have to so work to clean me off of them. I want them to smell like me when I go home. Yeah, I, if I if that's I would totally be that person. I wouldn't want the rest of that stuff. I'm gonna, I'm dying anyway. I want the rest of you to remember me. Wow, that's harsh. 
if I'm going to be an asshole and be such a horrible human being that I'm going to be put to death by the state, I've got to make it work. I've got to make me go out like a thing. You have a dark side <laughs> that I was completely unaware of. Now I see why you and Lisa were so good together. <laughs> True. So you're renting my sapphic author shuttle bus. Bet you didn't know I had that, but I do. <laughs> that will take you on a tour of California wine country. And you can only take five authors with you. Who are you taking? This is such a tough question. Okay, so I have a proposal because I am an attorney. So, of course, <laughs> you got to bring, bring Melissa Braden and Georgia Beers, right? I mean, you they are the people that know the wine. So if we, like, mash them up as, like, Bray Beers, is that, like, count as one person? Sure, do it. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I bring the Bray Beers. Definitely Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant is <laughs> such a awesome person. I've been engaging with Chris Bryant on socials for a few years, even before I met her. And I went to my first con, GCLS con in 2021. And I was so nervous because I was graduating and I was also moderating and on several panels. So I kind of like dove right in. And Lisa and I got there uh, late on the first day. I went to go get registered and, and it was all closed up. And as I'm walking out, I see Chris and I'm like, Oh fuck, fangirl! I can't, I, I can't approach her. I can't approach her. And she like locks eyes with me and goes, "I think I'm supposed to give you a hug." Like those are Chris Bryant's first words to me. <laughs> like I think I'm supposed to give you a hug. She comes over and gives me a hug. I introduce myself. She goes, "Yes, that's right. I know you." And so, ever since I met her, she's always been really, really, really inviting for me. And we both have really bad trash mouths, so it would be awesome. I would definitely bring Kat Jackson. You said earlier, I got a, a kind of a dark side. I know Kat does too. And I think like <laughs> the more we drink, the worse we can torture our own characters. And then when she's ultimately totally bored of me, she can go to my wife and they can plan these things in real life. So it would be perfect. I would love it. And I think that if, since I have Brie Beers, um, I got two more. Allie Spooner, <laughs> get your butt out here, girl. Um, you know how much I love you. And Mila Mackay. That woman is such a sweetheart. Love her. She is very kind, straight up person who never shies away from helping the rest of us authors. And I love her so much. Very nice. I will drive the bus. Well, yeah, you're already on it. Duh. Keep y'all out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're going to be back there with us. You're the one over there orchestrating it. You go here. You go there. <laughs> well, yeah, I do have a reputation. <laughs> yeah. Don't play a play, a girl. <laughs> What four sapphic books have had the biggest impact on you? My very first sapphic book I've read was The Gravity Between Us by Kristen Zimmer. I have told her on numerous occasions, it's totally all her fault that I'm now in our community because she was the first book that I stumbled upon when the 2016 election happened and I just devoured it. Uh, and I couldn't believe that there was a book with a happy ending when it came to sapphics, because that's not something I normally saw. And fast forward all these years later, she's signed my, my she signed her books, but then she's asking me to sign my book at, when we were at the last con. And I just, I love her so much. And that book really started me on my awakening for our sapphic literature. Um, the second book is called Anne Playing the Role of Herself by K.E. Lane. I wish K.E. would write another book because this was perfect. I love Hollywood. I love I love romances that are taboo. And to have that be the second book I ever read. And again, now we have an adult adults having happy endings that are women in very powerful industries. It was really cool to, to read it. And I just it was just a fun ride. If you haven't read that one, it's it's a good one. Kiss the Girl by Melissa Braden. 
I read that book and I see for my Supercorp fans, I see Lena Luther and Supergirl whenever I read that book, because the women are so powerful in the book, but they're so down to earth at the same time. And there's so much community in that whole Soho Loft series. Uh, just a really, really fun read. And the last one was uh, Ali Spooner's Trophy Wives Club, because I would not have, number one, I like the book very much. But number two, I would never have bid on Ali's uh, auction if I didn't read it. And so without me reading that book and literally one of those stumbled upon books, I never would have become Kale Gallagher. So means a lot. Oh, very nice. It was lovely chatting with you and getting to spend some time. I can't believe we have to wait until GCLS to see each other again. I know, man. I mean, maybe I need to start traveling again. Yeah. Again, like I have done that ever. <laughs> Come on over to Missouri. We got lots of stuff here. Hey, we have hockey here. You do have hockey there. And you have Chris Bryant there. And you there. I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's red, but it looks inviting. That's right. <laughs> I mean, our houses are blue, so come on over. There we go. There we go. Thank you very, very much for bringing me on. And, you know, I always love you and love talking with you. You're just the best. And what a great human. Speaking of great humans, you are. Big one. Ah, stop. <laughs> love you, babes. <laughs> love you too, honey. Thanks so much for listening. And thanks again to K.L. Gallagher for joining me today. To learn more about KL, visit her website, klgallagher.com. And be sure to pick up her book written with Allie Spooner, Hat Trick. To support this podcast, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash sapphiclora. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, happy sapphic reading. <laughs>